So I want to spend a little time this morning on what I'm sure is a review for you, but will serve to set the stage, as it were, for our main study today. Now, for the past few weeks, you have been examining uh, scripture from the Gospel of Mark. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, there are four Gospels. Gospel meaning good news. Uh, the good news came from, it used to be a proclamation, an oral proclamation of the um, emperor having a, a birthday or uh, there's a new emperor and they used to say a, an oral proclamation. Then they started talking about Christ and once again it was a verbal sharing. So it was a sharing of the good news and then when it was finally written down that same gospel good news came to mean the written version now matthew mark and luke are known as the synoptic gospels they are to be taken together and that name is from synopsis which is the, the greek word and the three contain many of the same events and material they from the life and ministry of jesus they have the same general outline, have the same perspective, although with varying emphasis. Matthew is the most structured and emphasizes uh, Jesus as the Messiah. Mark is the most dramatic and focuses on Jesus as the son of God and servant of the people. And Luke is the most thematic and focuses on Jesus as a savior for all people. Together, the four gospels give us a much more vibrant picture of Jesus. And the way that I liken it is how we all arrived here today. Now, as I stated, my weekend was probably a little different than yours. I had a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a three-year-old who were with me. We were supposed to uh, have my wife and a newborn come and join us, but that didn't happen. So I was solo parenting um, three very, very active children who have a very strong sense of uh, debate. <laughs> and so it was a running debate. But this morning when I got up, I had to get grandma in there so I could go and we were running a little late. So it was a little harried. And by the time when I got to the church, all of those things fed into my day. Others arriving may have had time to study the word in the morning and had a, a nice cup of coffee and started leisurely. And so that kind of colored their day. And so when we would all sit down and talk about our day to a different person, each one of us would have a slightly different perspective and a slightly different uh, way that we would a color of the day, so to speak. And so the four Gospels together give a much more vibrant picture of Jesus than we would just uh, having one alone. But the Gospel of Mark is very different from the synoptic Gospels. You see, 90% of the information contained... Did I say Mark? The Gospel of John is different from the other Synoptics. 90% of the information contained in John regarding Jesus' life is not found in the other Gospels. John, you see, had a different purpose for his Gospel. 
as it states in John 20, 30 and 31, and we're kind of leaping to the end and then we'll be coming back. He states, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so you may believe that Jesus, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So you see, he had a specific purpose in when he was writing. So while there are some things that are the same, there are a lot of other things that he includes so that you can see and believe. In John, Jesus makes many I am statements. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread. I am the light of the world. I am from above. I am not of this world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. We'll spend most of our time left today looking at the last of those. I am the true vine. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, Jesus' public ministry had ended. He was with his disciples and had washed their feet. Satan had entered into Judas, and Judas had left to go into the dark night. Jesus called the rest together, almost like, okay, he's gone. Come here, guys, I got something I have to tell you. And then he begins his farewell discourse. He gives them the new commandment. We're backing up to 13 for a moment. The commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Then in chapter 14, he introduces the Holy Spirit. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In chapter 15, there's interesting parallels with the Old Testament. For you see, at this time, everyone was familiar, those that were with the scriptures, was from the Old Testament. And when Jesus would use scripture or uh, slightly modified, it would resonate with the original. And so when he would say about the vineyard, it resonates with Isaiah and how it describes at that time. So in Isaiah 5, the vineyard was uh, Israel. So it says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. So they're hearing Israel when he's talking about vineyard. But in this case, Jesus says that he's now the vineyard. And he's fulfilling personally Israel's destiny and centering God's salvation historical purposes upon himself. And additionally, this farewell discourse resonates with Moses's uh, parting words in Deuteronomy. So all of this is kind of resonating with what has gone before. Jesus uses allegory to explain the nature of his, of his relationship with those that would be his disciples. It is he that is divine. God, the vine, the God the Father, is the vine dresser. And the believers are the branches. That's where we come in. We are to be the branches clinging to the vine. The believers 
only responsibility is to stay vitally connected to the vine, Jesus, while sustaining a spiritual union through the Holy Spirit. God proves the branches, he prunes them in Jesus to make them more fruitful. Only while connected to the vine, Jesus, do branches bear fruit. Those not connected will be cast off. It's kind of interesting, both the branches that aren't bearing fruit and the ones that are bearing fruit get cut. And that's kind of the, the, the title of the sermon is a cut above. And it has two meanings in this. One is you're getting cut or pruned from above, whether you bear fruit or not. And the other is we're being called to be a cut above who we were before each day. So we're trying to better ourselves to continue that process, to abide in Christ, to work to be even more in Christ. And I know that although I have miles to go, I would say that I'm a cut above who I was years ago. And God certainly is working in that, that chaos. Continue in his word, keep his commandments, especially his new commandment. Jesus' greatest expression of love is that he died for us. This is the kind of love that we are to show for one another. Thus, love is the most important fruit that believers can bear. And you probably heard through that scripture, abide. He said over and over, abide, abide. Abide is act in accordance with, but also continue without fading or being lost. So we are to abide in his love, abide in his commandments, abide in Christ, to continue in that without being lost. And I think that's the challenge. Do we abide in Jesus? Do we continue in him day in and day out? Is that the actions that we have? There's a gentleman that I know He has been abiding in Christ for so long that he doesn't see the forks in the road that those decisions that uh, well, I, for one, have to make. He, actually, he had built a structure on his property and didn't realize he had to have permits for it. When he realized that he was supposed to have permits for it, he ripped down the structure, got the permits, and rebuilt the structure. He said he had gotten a diagnosis or was waiting on a diagnosis for something that could be very major. And what was amazing was that he was resting in his relationship with Christ and he was less anxious waiting for the doctors to give him the diagnosis than he was waiting for the FedEx man for the package that he was waiting to be delivered. 
he had come so far through so many trials with God that he no longer had that anxiety in that relationship because he knew that it is not if God is involved in this, but how. It changes the experience, doesn't it? I was surprised, for me, So the reason I wear the glasses, I've told you before, the, the darker ones, is because I had gotten to an accident uh, two and a half years ago that uh, kind of stripped away many of my talents and, and also made me more sensitive to uh, light and sound. So I have to take precautions about that. And I had learned to say, um, God, if it is your will, lend me the talents you once lent to me. And if it is not, let me learn the lessons that you're teaching me now. And please continue to call me into your ministry. And that is my prayer many times a day. And then just recently, my wife and I experienced a very difficult pregnancy where it was a um, dangerous one from week 23 on. And a strange thing happened. I was not anxious as much about the pregnancy as I thought I should be. And when I really looked at it, it was because we had gone through so many trials that I knew God was in it. So I leaned on my faith as a branch clung to the vine, did everything that I could did everything that could possibly be done, did my due diligence, prayed a lot, and just lifted it up to God. And praise be to God, um, God willing, they'll come home today. But it changed the experience completely. No longer was it that anxious, terror-filled moment because God had been there so many times that I had been clinging to that vine. Now, Pastor Dean had said uh, a few weeks ago, he asked a question, and I, I think it was, uh, has anyone ever experienced crisis, right? And, and everyone said, no, you're all good. But it's that pressure that we're through that we get to be pruned and we get to change, and, and how we deal with that can change us. Interesting thing, when the, my son was born, I found out that the the actual pressure of childbirth is intended to prepare the child for life outside the womb. It actually squeezes the, the water out of them so their lungs are prepared for being on the outside. And removing the child out any other way, they're not ready and have to be helped to be ready, which is amazing. God makes it so pressure, pruning, allows us to, to bear more fruit by having experienced that. We kind of see that in teenagers these days, or now 20 to 30-somethings. Because without that pressure, when, when we jump in and solve all of their problems, right? They, they don't go through that, you know, 
birth out of the house kind of thing. And they're not prepared to be outside of the house. So having some, some natural consequences, some hardships that they deal with actually prepare you for life. Particularly when they know that God is with them. And that some adversity is not a bad thing. Now yesterday was a kind of a funny deal. I was with my three children, as I mentioned before, three of my children. And my five-year-old was playing with the three-year-old and... The seven-year-old was often doing something else. But Elia, my five-year-old, <laughs> turned to the three-year-old and she said, Come on, Joshua, you can do it. Believe in yourself. God is with us. And I was looking around. It's probably from VBS. <laughs> Love those VBS teachers. But what a concept to have a five-year-old going, you can do this. I'm not going to do it for you. Believe in yourself. God is with you. Do you abide in Jesus? Do you love as he commanded? Are you being pruned? Have you been or are you going through tough times? You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to go alone. Even while being pruned, you can receive love from other disciples. Even while being pruned, you can share love with others, disciples or not. In a few weeks, we're going to do Love the Valley. At that time, uh, Love Inc. is... Um, Love in the name of Christ is preparing a way for you to love in the name of Christ. By all of the people that are calling in, we find specific ones that an army of disciples on a certain day could go out and, um, and love on them. And help them with a, a myriad of different tasks. And show them by demonstrating the gospel what it could be like. And um, doing some material things that would quiet the crisis in their lives. For a little bit. And I really encourage you. Try to go out that day. And, and see what it's like. If you're in that crisis. And you need help. Please reach out to us. We would love to help you with that. If you're in crisis. And want to help others. Let us know. We can help you with that as well. My colleague back here. Has his name tag on. It's James. He's a, a wonderful man. And I would encourage you to meet him. Uh, even if you don't want to get involved he's worth meeting but we'll be out here to to say hello afterwards but truly you have gifts and talents you have received commandments you have a lot of yourself that you can give we're we're said to love as jesus loved and he died for us I think the commandment is worthy enough of giving up a little time to live it out. And as I look around the room, there's many, many of you that are doing that. I get that. But if there's some of you that don't know where to do that, or some of you that thinks that maybe you have a talent that wouldn't help in that, let us help you. We have a quilting ministry that serves. We have 
woodworking. We have all so many different things. And each one of those transform lives, both the people in them and the people that get served. And as I said, the sermon is entitled A Cut Above because we are being pruned. But also because as we are sanctified and set apart and improving ourselves, we can be a cut above who we were before and continue on that process and continue to be a cut above who we were before. And at this point, I'd love to close in prayer and I thank you very much for your time today. Let's go Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, you're it seems so daunting at first to your command of love one another. To, to love as you love us. To, to have that be so visible to the world that we are recognized as yours. But the, the amazing thing, the wondrous thing is that that love is so incredible that the more we share of it, the more there is. And I know that, that you call us to the a vision of everyone that says that they are your disciple, lives in a way that it is so visibly apparent. And what a world that would be and will be when you come in return. We just uh, thank you for the opportunities that we have now to give your love to so many. And we thank you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.